0: All right, uh, I hope you have a bulletin with you this morning and, and you can probably see some changes out there in, in the foyer and um, we're working on trying to just connect better. We, we've we been talking about being hospitable and uh, we want to work to better connect with our guests and, and visitors and uh, so we've got a connect team. If you'd like to serve on that or if you'd be willing to serve on that, um, just let me know. Uh, but we, we also came up with a couple cards here. And I'll just explain those. One is just basically like a visitor's card, a connect card. And uh, that's for first time or, or somebody that's just been here a couple times. If we, we'd like to connect with you, get a little bit of information. Uh, but then there's also this take the next step card, which just has a variety of options on this. Um, it's just a way for you all to communicate with us, whether you're a guest or, a, you know, a, a regular attender or even a member uh, if you'd like to serve, if you need prayer, if there's just some feedback you'd like to give to us, you can just grab one of those cards. There should be one in your pew in front of you. Uh, so you can just take that, uh, fill it out, drop it in the offering plate, or there's a, a basket out there uh, in the foyer where you can drop that that connect card. Um, so those are some, some new things that we're trying there, and I'd encourage you to, to use those. Um by way of announcements, make sure you get a bulletin, first of all, because there's some things I'm not even going to have time to mention, but uh, the, the one pressing thing is this evening uh, we have a special guest speaker coming from Louisville to be with us here tonight to talk about how, it, you know, a lot of times we think of ministry as something that pastors do, uh, and then the rest of us just kind of, w- we participate, we kind of sit back, and we're ministered to, but really, the Bible teaches that all of us are ministers of a sort. We all have a function. We all have a role to play in the life of the, the church. And really, the function of pastors is to train the saints, Ephesians says, to do the work of the ministry. Uh, this brother has really emphasized that in their church. And, uh, it's kind of become part of their DNA. Their church is that, that everybody just kind of sees themselves, in a sense, as, as a minister. Uh, and so, uh, I asked him to come and he's going to have a couple sessions tonight from four to six o'clock. Uh, we'll have uh coffee and, and maybe some, uh, cookies or something like that, but I really encourage you. There will be childcare. Uh, we're kind of trying to keep that for the younger ages, like preschool and nursery age. Uh, the older kids can sit in with us for that, but that'll be tonight in here from four to six o'clock. Uh, so I'd encourage you to be, be here for part of that. Um, We're also doing another outreach. Again, we've been part of this the last couple years with the Dress for School campaign. You can see details in the bulletin. And if you have more questions and you'd like to help with that, uh, talk to Stephanie Lamar, or you can ask me as well. So I'm going to ask Jared now to come and uh, give us our call to worship.
1: Good morning. It's good to see you all. We do want to welcome you to Union Baptist Church this morning and hope you will find yourselves welcome and worship with us today. If you have your Bibles excuse me, please turn with me to Matthew chapter, see what chapter I'm in here, chapter 11 I believe is where I'm at, That's, that's pretty bad, I lost it, Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30, thinking about the series that we're in and the invitation to the gospel I just wanted to set before us this morning as a call to worship another of Christ's invitations and here he says come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light will you pray with me Father, as we gather here this morning, we do want to hear that that invitation because we come this morning, God, with varying uh, burdens, with varying weights that we carry. And yet, very clearly, the offer in in the Gospel here is that if we come to Christ, the burden and the weight of that discipleship is not heavy. It is not hard. And God, that is our desire. We are seeking to... uh, to to disciple people in community here at Union Baptist Church, <clears throat> God, we want that discipleship process to not be a burden. We want to find ways to do that that will uh, enhance and enrich the lives of your people, as a reflection of this call here that Christ has. And so, God, we thank you that the that the gospel is not a weight, that is not a burden, that it actually lifts those weights of of self righteousness from us, God. It lifts the weights of performance. From us and, and we rest in the glory and the goodness and the salvation of Christ. But God, as our Sunday school lesson uh, taught this morning, I, I pray that we would find that balance between coming and resting in Christ and and giving up so much that we feel like grace covers everything and we don't have to worry about holiness, God, because that's certainly a false uh, truth there. It's not true at all. <clears throat> so God, we want to be those people who, who hold to both of those things we want to come to the gospel we want to come to that that burden that is light that yoke that is easy we want to come and find rest for our souls but god we don't want to presume on the grace of god and act like that there's no room for personal growth that there's no room for sanctification that there's no room for holiness, and so God, those are the things that we want to work in and see you prosper, Lord, as we seek to make disciples in community. God, help us to to find that tension, to to walk that balance out properly, God, so that we live lives that fully rest in the gospel, yet strive for holiness, strive to to learn, strive to grow, and to pursue what is right. God, we never want to be those people that presume on your grace, and so we ask God as we preach uh, these this this series on. Uh, the gospel, as we set the invitation for salvation before uh, those who gather here, God, we pray that you would use it to awaken sinners to their need, God, that you would awaken some who have gone too far and who have presumed on the grace of God and and assume that their lifestyle now doesn't need to change because they made a profession of faith and they've they've prayed a sinner's prayer and they've become a member of a church, God, but yet inwardly are still as unconverted as as the day they were born. God, we pray that you would change those people. We pray that you would rescue those people. We pray that the gospel would be powerful, God, that you would indeed uh, quicken the hearts of those who are unbelieving, God. We know that our children are unsaved and we seek their salvation and we want to be offering the gospel in our homes. We pray that they would sit up tall and listen attentively, God, and hear the gospel call and that some of our kids would be saved. God, we want our visitors that are unsaved to hear the gospel and be saved. And we ask that you would do this work God, going beyond what we can accomplish in our own power, that you would rescue for the sake of your name and for the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, who died so that sinners might be saved. We give praise to him today, God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now our ushers come
0: forward at this time and we'll continue in our worship as we give to the Lord. Just a reminder, um, uh, for those of you, some of you are following on, on Facebook, but, uh. Josh Hutchins and his family have made their way over to Africa. They arrived and we had prayed that everything would get there and after a couple of days all of their luggage, everything that they sent with them did arrive. So let's just pray as they settle in that that God would already begin to to bless their work, to give them the right connections and uh just make this a fruitful ministry in training those pastors in that area. Let's let's pray. Our heavenly Father, we do now lift up to you Josh and Stacy Lee Hutchins and the work that they're doing in Malawi, uh, we we thank you, Lord, for answered prayers and their safe arrival there, and just in the added blessing of them having all of their luggage arrive, Lord, so that they'll have all the things that they need. We pray that you'd continue to give them your watch care, your protection, and your provision. Bless them, Lord, in in unforeseen ways, Lord. I pray that you would open connections and doors. Uh, even right now, in these first days of their ministry, that would prove to be fruitful for years and years to come. Lord, help us as we support Josh and as we support other missionaries through our uh, cooperative giving and through the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board. There are there are many brothers and sisters, Lord, that are going to be teaching and preaching and discipling today, and we just pray, Lord, that you would that you would grant effectiveness in that work, that you would give safety and provision. To these missionaries that we support help us today as we seek to be a faithful gospel witness here in in our own community and uh, we we do pray for effectiveness in this area as well Uh, just bless us lord help us to be cheerful givers we know that you love cheerful givers and so we pray this in christ's name amen all right our kids can head out at this time while they're making their way out if you would go ahead and grab your bible this morning and i hope you have your bible this morning Turn to Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah chapter 55. We're continuing our series uh, this morning and probably for the next several weeks. As I mentioned, we're going to eventually make our way back to the book of Ephesians and work kind of verse by verse through that book as we had started a while back. But uh, we just kind of hit in this summer season, I think some things that we need to address as a church and be, be prayerful for. One of them we talked a lot about was community and just continuing to strive uh, to have faithful biblical new testament kind of community a community that's based upon genuine love and care for one another and uh, we have probably i think seen some movement in that area but we want to continue to press in on that Uh, but we also mentioned last week that we've just been for some time without seeing the lord work and without seeing anyone come to faith in christ and uh, we know that that ultimately is not up to us, is it? It's up to the Lord. It's it's the Lord that works. It's the Lord that grants that kind of thing. And and yet, I think we have room as God's people, as Christians, as followers of Christ, to be hopeful and to be expectant to see God at work. And when we don't see Him at work, I, I think we need to be in a time of prayer and fasting and praying that the Lord would bless in that way. And So that's what I want to do this week and the next few weeks will be just preaching the gospel and inviting people to be saved, inviting them to come to Christ. And uh, the title of our sermon this morning is Come, an invitation to the hesitant. An invitation to the hesitant. And so we're going to read this great gospel invitation in Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for He has glorified you. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He is near. This morning we want to look at this offer of the gospel. And one of the interesting things that I think here is that we just looked at John chapter 7 last week and the gospel invitation that Jesus gave on that great feast and, and a Jewish holiday as He stood up and He said, to everyone who thirst, let him come and drink. And there's no doubt in my mind that there, there are different passages that Jesus might have been drawing on in that invitation, but there's no doubt in my mind that this one uh, must have certainly been in the background of the mind of of Christ here, verse one, come everyone who thirsts come to the waters and he who has no money come by and eat. This is very much a parallel uh invitation uh to to the gospel to believe and to be saved and there are many things that are the same here that we talked about last week, and so I only mention them quickly because we've already rehearsed them uh, to a great deal in our sermon last week but first of all the the idea of thirst come everyone who thirsts. to to thirst we talk about is a, a metaphor for our soul's longing this is not physical thirst the, these are spiritual longings that we have and they are for things such as uh pardon and peace and and purity for personal relationship we're created to be in relationship with our, our Lord with our Creator. And we long for that. And it's as Augustine said, and our soul is not at rest until it finds its rest in the Lord, in our Creator. We have a longing for pardon, a forgiveness of our sins. We have a longing for peace in our life that comes through knowing our creator and knowing that our sins are forgiven we have a longing to be freed from the dominion that sin has over our lives there there are these kinds of longings and that's what isaiah is appealing to here that's what jesus was appealing to in his day when he said come everyone who's thirsty he's talking about you who sense that longing for something more in your life and we talked about last week that the only the only stipulation on that offer was that it, that you needed to thirst. It was come everyone who, who's thirsty. Come and drink of me, Jesus said. And the same thing is true here. This is a free offer. It's, it's given to all. This, the gospel is a wonderfully free offer. Look at verse one. It's come everyone everyone there are there are no stipulations here there there are not certain classes of people or certain kinds of people or certain colors of people that can come and drink this is for everyone everyone who thirst and notice he says to him who has no money Jesus was obviously giving a free offer but this is even even more clearly a free offer come he who has no money so don't think that You're coming to the Lord with, with the things that you need that are prerequisite to you receiving blessing and salvation. And you're coming in order, uh, you know, I'm bringing my offering here in order so that you will save me. No, this is, this is an offer that's extended to he who has no money. Come buy and eat. And again, he, he stresses it. Without money, come buy wine and milk. Without money and without price. It is a free offer you know we sing about grace i'm a child of god by grace and grace alone until you understand that until you understand the freeness of the gospel you have not been saved you have not understood the gospel there are so many people who claim to be christians there are so many good church going people who have a a, a mentality of the gospel as if it's some kind of subsidy program well, I'm not perfect, and so I need a little bit of help. I need a little bit of grace to get me over the hump on the road to heaven. God knows that I try. God knows that I'm a pretty good person, and and yet there are those things that I stumble over, and God's grace kind of comes in as a subsidy, subsidy to help me through those points. I do my best, but I know I'm going to come up a little bit short, and, and when I come up a little bit short, there's God's grace to make up the difference between where I am and 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 where I need to be, where I ought to be. But this isn't the way that the gospel works, is it? And this isn't the offer that's given here. The invitation in this verse is not to those who don't quite have enough. You know, have you, have you ever been that person, you're standing in line, and maybe you forgot your wallet and you you got a little bit of cash, but oh, I'm fifty cents short, and that person comes up behind you, and oh, here's Here's 50 cents. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit short. The gospel is not an offer to people who are a little bit short of having what they need in order to attain salvation or to earn their way into heaven. The gospel is an invitation to those who are dead broke. Do you see that? Come, those who have no money, come buy and eat without money and without price. In fact, it seems like the the only stipulation on this offer is that you recognize that you are one who has no money, that you have no ability to purchase this, that you have no ability to earn or merit salvation. It seems like that's who this offer is too. It it seems that that is the only stipulation that is given is that you recognize I ain't got no money. I'm dead broke. I have no ability to earn myself, earn a spot in, in heaven. It's an invitation given specifically to those who are poverty stricken. And we've got to come to a realization. And until you come to that realization, you don't understand the Gospel. You you don't understand what it means to be saved. Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 6, he teaches in in this passage that that grace cannot be mixed at all with works. The moment you try to tweak grace a little bit and just add a little bit of your own merit, add a little bit of your own grace, then it ceases to be grace altogether. The, the properties of grace are such that it cannot endure any kind of mixture with works. So Paul says this in Romans 11.6, but if it is by grace, if salvation is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. You see, if you add anything to grace if you if you think that you're bringing anything in terms of a price that you are going to pay even if it's not even if it's not all of it even if you think well I need a little bit of help I'm a little bit short but if you bring anything to the table that you think is going to merit or earn or purchase your salvation then you have completely changed and distorted the gospel grace is no longer grace the only kind of grace there is is free grace and that's the only kind of salvation there is. Jesus taught this, I think, in the par- parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, in Luke chapter eighteen. Do you remember that? He said uh, he told a parable and he said there were two men who went into uh, went into the temple to pray. One of them a Pharisee, which in in the people's mindset of that day that the pharisees were religious they were the people who had it all together that they strictly obeyed the law and the pharisee goes in and and he prays he stands up in the temple he lifts his hands up to the lord he says, thank you lord that i'm not like other men i fast twice a week i give tithes i do this i do that i thank you lord and so he's thanking the lord he's saying look i recognize your grace in my life but i also recognize my goodness I recognize that I tithe and that I pray and that I fast and that I do these things. He's coming to the Lord with, with a price. He's coming to the Lord with something that He thinks can merit or buy His salvation. And, and Jesus said, but there was this other guy. He was a tax collector. And they were in that day and time thought of as the scum of the earth. And uh, so this is a great reversal for, for the people who would have been hearing this parable. And and this tax collector he said, wouldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven. And he simply prayed, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that guy is the one who went back to his house justified. That is the man out of those two who is saved, okay? Okay. That that's the posture that we need to come to. If you come to the Lord thinking I'm a good person, I'm a community person, I'm a family person, I do this, you're misunderstanding the gospel. You'll never be saved. But if you come recognizing your complete brokenness, I I have nothing to offer. If you come as the the song sing in my the, the song says in my hand no price I bring simply to the cross I cling. That's how you come to Christ. That's how you come to the Gospel. That's how you come to salvation. It's what Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think what Jesus is saying there is exactly what we're teaching here. The poor in spirit are those who recognize their brokenness, their emptiness. So heaven belongs to the spiritually indigent, to those who are spiritually in a place of poverty. But who recognize that, and because they recognize it, call out to God for salvation. So the invitation is, is an invitation that is free. But notice here, there is, it does seem a price that's paid. He, he doesn't say just come and, and it's free. He says, come buy. There, there is a purchase going on here, but it's it's buying with no money, it's buying without price. One person pointed this out, Alec Mottier, in his commentary, and he said this, this is a purchase which is somehow free to the purchaser. Poverty is no barrier. Indeed, the person with no money is a welcome customer. Yet alongside this emphasis on freeness, the verb buy is repeated two times. The thought of purchase is not set aside. This is no soup kitchen, even if the clients are beggars. There is a purchase and a price though not theirs to pay, they bring their poverty to a transaction already completed." You see, here's the reality of the Gospel. Your salvation was purchased, but it was never and could never be purchased by you. Jesus paid the price for your salvation and He paid it fully. There's nothing left for you to pay so that you can come by freely. You can come receive wine and milk and water and bread. You can receive all that your soul needs in an abundance I like how he starts out, come drink of the waters, but then he adds milk and wine and bread. There's an abundance for you in the Gospel. There's everything that your soul needs and it has been fully purchased by Jesus Christ. Again, I read Isaiah 53 last week, but it's such a a great passage. I'll just read verse 5. He says, but He, he. this is a reference I think to Christ ultimately, He was pierced for our transgressions. You see there, He for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with His wounds we are healed. And so there is a great price to pay in the Gospel. The, the, the reality is that the Gospel is free to us, but it isn't cheap. It costs Christ. A great deal. It cost Him, in fact, everything. And so the Gospel is free to us because Christ paid this this great price. If you're here this morning and you're hesitant because... Maybe you feel like you're not the person, you're not the church person, you're not the righteous person, you're not the person who has it all together. This is an invitation to you. You think, well, I can't go to church, I can't be that person because, uh, you know, I'm just not there. And you're exactly the person that's invited to receive the gospel. That mindset is exactly what you need in order to come to Christ and be saved. So it doesn't matter what you've done in the past, it doesn't matter how short you've fallen, it doesn't matter how many times you've messed up, this is an invitation to you. Come and buy freely. And this, this passage actually begins. It's as if God wants to get your attention this morning. Uh, because this this passage, Isaiah fifty five one, actually, and if you have the King James, you'll see this, other translations don't don't have this. Uh but but it actually begins with an interjection. In our modern day vernacular, we, we would say, hey, listen. And and that's what verse 1 starts with. The very first word in this text. Hey, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. The Lord wants to grab your attention this morning. If you've been hesitant in coming to Him, because perhaps you don't think you are who you need to be, come. It is a free offer. The second thing that we see this morning in you may be worried that we're moving a little slow, uh, but I will say this. We're not going to spend as much time on each one of these. But the second thing this morning is that the gospel is a specific offer. It is a specific offer. The offer is not so that you can the offer is not that you can find satisfaction for your soul in any way that you desire, by whatever means that you choose. Instead, look at verse 2. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Again, we talked about this last week. We, many of us, recognize those longings that our soul has and we look for the fulfillment of them in recreation or entertainment or sex or alcohol or relationships or a bigger house. Or We look for them in all kinds of different ways and that's what he's saying here. Look, you can find satisfaction for your soul your your thirst can be quenched but but listen it can only be quenched by the by the thing that is given to quench your thirst it can only be quenched by the water that gives that the Lord gives there's a specific uh uh, there's a specific way that your longing can be met and so he questions with us as if to get us to think about this why are you spending your money on things that won't satisfy you've got that thirst you have those spiritual longings and those hungers, things that you're desiring, but, but I don't understand. There, there's a provision that's been made. Why are you wasting your time looking for fulfillment in those other things? Why are you spending your money for that which is not bread? And why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Because of this specificity, the specificity of this offer, the Lord repeatedly commands our attention. So we see repeated two or three different times in verses 2 and 3. Listen diligently. Incline your ear. And verse 3, hear. Three different times He's saying, listen to Me. Listen to Me. You have longings. You have thirst. You have desires. I've provided for them. Come here. Don't go over there Those things won't satisfy you. Those things won't meet your needs. They they will not quench your spiritual thirst. Why are you going over here? Listen to me. I'm I'm reminded of how I talk to my kids when there's something really important. They were just getting ready to go to camp with my parents. And sometimes when they're with my parents, they don't act like they're supposed to act. So I'm driving them. I'm meeting, uh, meeting them in Louisville and dropping them off. And I'm talking to the kids and we're in the car. They're in the back seat. I'm like telling them that you make sure that you're respectful and you obey. Look, don't, just cause it's grandma and grandpa, you, you guys listen to what they're saying and, and they're kind of zoning out. And hey, listen to me. Are you paying attention? That's what's going on in this text here. He's saying, look, you have these longings. You have these desires. You, 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 you long for them and I've provided for them, but you're going other places. Why are you doing that? Would you listen to me? Come and drink. Come and buy freely. I've provided for you. This is an offer to run to Christ. And you see this in verses 4 and 5, really the verse end of verse 3. He says, uh, And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation... That you do not know and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because the Lord, your God and of your Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you without going into a lot of detail. I think this is a prophecy concerning Christ. He's the servant. He is the son of David who, who fulfills this. This is, I think, who the Lord is speaking to. And he's saying, look, I've made you a witness to the people. I made you a witness and a leader talking about the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. And and a nation who doesn't know you will call upon you and be saved, the idea is. A nation that did not know you shall run to you because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, will glorify you. And, and I think that's a clear prophecy of Jesus Christ. And so the idea here is that the, the, the means of salvation is through Jesus Christ. It's as we run to Him, it's as we come to this Messiah, to the Son of David who is our Savior, we run to Him and it's in Him that we find salvation. It's what Peter said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You see, the water, the bread the wine, the milk, the, the, the satisfaction that you're looking for for your soul, it will be found through God's provision and Jesus Christ is that provision. So run to Him. It says uh, a people who did not know you will run to you. And that's what we are to do in faith. Run to Christ. Run to the Gospel. Thirdly this morning, the Gospel is an urgent offer. It is an urgent offer. And this is why I said that this was an invitation to the hesitant. Because this is an urgent offer. Look at verse number 6. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. You see, first of all, just the intensity of this to seek and to call. To, to seek is not to look for something that's lost, Uh, but to to look for something diligently with commitment, determination, persistence, and spiritual concern. And that's what he's calling It's not as if God is lost if if He can't be found. He's saying, look, come after the Lord with diligence, with with persistence, with determination. Seek the Lord while He may be found. And then call on Him. And this is the idea uh, of calling out for rescue. Calling out for help this is this is a person who is in need so psalm 50 verse 15 says call upon me in the day of trouble the the picture is someone who's in distress someone who's in danger and they're calling out for rescue save me help me so seek the lord and call out to him you see the intensity that is given in these words but why is this intensity there i I think we see it uh the intensity is is clarified because there seems to be a limitation that is set. Do you see that? Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. What what does that mean? Is is there a time? Is there a time when the Lord will not be found? Is there a time in which the Lord will no longer be near to you? I think, I think when we look to the Scripture, I think that's exactly what this is saying. There is a time in God's sovereignty a limit that He has set. You see, this, this offer is a free offer, but it isn't an indefinite offer. It isn't an offer that will be there forever. There's a limit set to it. I don't set that limit. You don't set that limit. Whenever I have opportunity, I preach the gospel freely. We all do. We preach it freely to all. But God in His sovereignty has set a limit on the extension of this free offer. What is that limit? When is it that God can no longer be found? Read read that text. Isn't that what he's saying? Seek the Lord while He may be found. Isn't the clear implication is that there may be a time when, when you would seek the Lord, but He is not found. Call upon Him while He's near. I think that's the clear imitation, implication. But what is it? What is this limit that God has set on it? Well, the answer to that question is simply this, that the time when God will not be found is once His judgment has come. Once His judgment has come. In other words, the offer stands. The offer is free. The door is open until the judgment of God comes upon a sinner. Once that judgment comes, once it has come, the opportunity opportunity to respond to the gospel is over. So there's an urgency to this message. Hear the message. Hear the invitation and respond. Seek the Lord while he may be found because there's a time coming when he will not be found. Call on him while he is near because there may be a time in the future when he is not near. That time is when God's judgment comes. This is what Psalm 32 verse 6 says. Let everyone who is godly, offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. And then he, he goes on to, to describe, this is Psalm 32, 6, surely in the rush or in the flood of great waters, they shall not reach him. Here there's this judgment, a flood of waters, just like in the days of Noah, when the flood came, there's the flood of God's judgment that is coming. And when that flood of judgment comes, it will be too late. It will be, it will not be the opportune time to call on the Lord. In that moment, he says, their prayers, their call to him, their seeking him will not reach him. Again, Psalm 32. Verse six. Well, what is that judgment of God? When does that judgment of God come? When, when, when we are past time to receive His grace and mercy? One is death. Death is God's judgment. It's appointed. Hebrews nine twenty seven it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Romans says that the, the the wages of sin is death. You see, death is coming for all of us, and we don't know when it's coming. It may be today. It could be in 20 or 30 years from now, but it could be today or tomorrow on your drive home. You simply don't know. God has determined that point. God knows that point. And when that point comes, it will be too late for you to respond to the Gospel. Seek the Lord while He may be found. You have an opportunity right now as you're hearing the Gospel invitation. Jesus is inviting you to come, but you're not guaranteed that you will even make it home today. And so seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He's near. He's near right now. He's here through His Word. He is inviting you to believe and be saved. There's not a person in this room that is not under the sound of my voice that if they would repent, if they would turn from their sins and come to Christ, that would not be saved. God would save you right now. You must seek Him while He may be found. There are many people who have thought they had plenty of time. They considered the Gospel, but they put it off. And for them, it was too late. In the Bible, we see the the story, the parable of the rich man who who had the idea that he would sit back and enjoy his retirement. He had had uh, these great earnings throughout his life and he had just reached the point where he thought he was going to enjoy that. And Jesus says in the parable that the Lord says to him, you fool, tonight your life is required of you. The Lord may say that to any one of us here. We don't know. When God's judgment of death comes upon us, it will be too late to seek the Lord. So seek Him now while He may be found. A second thing that the Bible teaches the judgment of God is the return of Jesus Christ. Christ's return will come unexpectedly. We do not know when it will come. In Matthew chapter 24, it says this, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating... And drinking, marrying, and given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Noah preached. It was a message of repentance. It was a message that God was going to bring destruction, that they should repent, that they should turn from their sins. And Noah preached and preached and preached that message. And they went on about their life. They went on eating and drinking, being married and given in marriage. They just went on with life as normal until the day that God said, this is the day. Judgment is coming. This is the point when, when that offer is over. The door of the ark is shut. There's there's no time for repentance. There's no more time for seeking. There's no more time for calling on the Lord. There's no, no more time for salvation. This is the end. And judgment came. And Jesus said that's what it's going to be like when the Son of Man returns. People are going to be going about their daily life. They're going to be just going to work. They're going to be eating. They're going to be celebrating birthdays. They're going to be on Facebook. They're going to be watching baseball. They're going to be going about their everyday life. And the Son of Man will return. And at that moment, it will be too late. Seek the Lord while, while He may be found. Many, I think, will find Christ's return to be a sorrowful time. Revelation one seven gives a picture that like in in the days of Noah, people will be wailing when when they see Christ return because they know for them it is too late. Revelation 6.16 says that people will cry out for the rocks to fall on them because of the wrath of the Lamb. There's a third reason though uh, that it may be too late for you. There's a third form of God's judgment and it isn't death and it isn't the return of Jesus Christ. But, but God may bring a form of judgment upon you in this life by giving you over to your sin and your blindness. There's a scriptural examples, and because of time we won't run through those, but I'd encourage you to read Isaiah 6, verses 8-10. through 10. We're in the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah was a prophet that the Lord told him, you're going to go and preach to a people who have eyes but do not see, and who have ears but they're not going to hear. And Jesus in John chapter 12, that's Isaiah 6, 8 to 10. I'd encourage you to read that later. But John 12, 35, Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Jesus was referring to himself. I'm the light of the world. He said, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. There's this opportunity that you have to believe. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. Do you hear that? lest darkness overtake you. The light is here. Believe in Me. Receive Me. But if you do not, the the darkness will overtake you. While you have the light, He says, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. And then we skip down. He says this, Therefore they could not believe. Talking about the Pharisees and religious leaders. They could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and harden their heart lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw His glory and spoke of Him. Do you hear that? Do you hear that warning there? These people had rejected the Word of God for so long that God finally said to them, okay, okay. You want to reject my prophets? You want to reject the word, the, the, the revelation that I've been giving to you over and over and over again. Because of that, I'm just going to let you, I'm going to let you be content in your blindness. I'm going, to let, I'm going to just let hand you over to your blindness. And I'm going to allow your heart to continue to be hardened. Let me read that again. Isaiah said he has blinded their eyes. He says, uh, this is John 12. Therefore they could. Not believe. Do you hear that? Let's just let the Word of God say what it says. They could not believe in Jesus Christ. Why not? Because it's like Isaiah said, He has blinded, God has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. God's judgment came on those people because they had for so long rejected him that he said, you want to be blind, you will be blind. You want to continue in the hardness of your heart, your heart will be hard. And therefore they could not believe because God had given them over to blindness. I believe God can do that. I I don't control that. that. That's a work of God's uh, sovereignty that's something that he has control of over uh, what I do know is if you hear the invitation this morning perhaps it's, it's not too late but, but what I do want to warn you is that I think if you I think what this is warning us is, is if you continue to reject the word of God if you continue to listen to the gospel and hear it and reject it and reject it and reject it if you continue to hear the call to repentance and you say no I'm going to continue in my sin you know, I've heard that again. I went to church again. I heard that call to repentance. I'm going to continue my sin again and again and again. God may give you over to that blindness and to the hardness of your heart. And so He's saying here, seek the Lord while He may be found. If you're feeling conviction this morning, if, if you are hearing the Gospel and there's an appeal to it, there's there's a drawing that is stirring within your soul, then you should respond now. Because the reality is that stirring may not be there next week. That, that, that longing, that, that, that clear sense of conviction that you have right now may never come again. God may give you over to the hardness of your heart. And so it is as the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. And the book of Hebrews says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. You have an opportunity right now to believe and be saved. Don't harden your heart. Today is that time when you know the Lord is here. When you know that if you seek the Lord, you will find Him. Today is that day where the Lord is near and if you call upon Him, He will save you. The offer is given through His Word, but it is not an indefinite offer and so there's an urgency to the Gospel. The Gospel is also a life-changing offer. It's a life-changing offer. You, you see what He calls us. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man His thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that, may ha- that he may have compassion on Him and to our God for He will abundantly pardon. This is a call to repentance. Many in our day and time have, have preached half of the Gospel. The Gospel is call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. But they forget the part that says forsake your thoughts, forsake your ways and call upon the name of the Lord. They forget to preach repentance. And repentance is essential to the Gospel. We must turn away from our sins in order to turn to the Lord. And we see that. Don't we Here in verse 7? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. You cannot return to the Lord. You cannot call on the Lord. You cannot seek the Lord while you're still seeking your sin. So forsake your ways, forsake your thoughts and turn to the Lord. It is a call to repentance. Repentance is life changing. Repentance is not some kind of preparation you have to do in order to receive the gift of salvation, but it is a logical necessity in order to come to Christ. You cannot remain in your sin and come to Christ. You must leave your sin behind. And notice that's what what the Lord is saying here. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. If you want to come to me, you've got to forsake your thoughts and your ways because my thoughts aren't your thoughts and my ways aren't your ways. So if you're coming to me, you've got to forsake yours in order to come to my thoughts and to my ways. And then finally this morning, the Gospel is a sure Offer. It's a it's a certain offer, you see. In verse seven, do you, do you see that? Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that that he may have compassion on him, and to our God. And this is this is the wonderful phrase here. I'm going to refer to, for He will abundantly pardon. See so if you're considering this, and you're considering about the Gospel, you're considering the invitation, hear hear the certainty with which God promises. He will abundantly pardon. This isn't just a little bit of pardon. This isn't just a little bit of forgiveness. He will, with certainty, pardon you and He will pardon you in a way that is abundant. God promises this morning that if you'll seek Him, if you will call on Him while He's near, while He is here, while you have opportunity, he will pardon you. There's no one here th- this morning that that offer does not apply to. If you have not done that this morning, I- I'd encourage you. Listen to what the promise that Jesus gives or the Lord gives in Isaiah 43 25. He says, I, I am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. If you will come to the Lord, if you will seek him, if you will call on him this morning, He will abundantly pardon your sin. I want to invite you this morning to take this free offer of the Gospel. Turn away from your sin and your unbelief and run to Christ, even though you have nothing to purchase uh, your, your forgiveness. The price has already been paid. So run to Christ this morning while you still have time. Seek Him while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. If you've done that this morning, I want to invite you to come as we're going to sing and I'll ask Daniel to come and the the band to come with him. We're going to sing. I'd encourage you to come forward this morning and and make that public, make that known so that we can celebrate with you. If you have questions perhaps about what it means to come to Christ, what it means to believe in Christ, what it means to call on Christ, I'd invite you to come and and speak with me and, and pray with me. So you come this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we... We ask You, Lord, that if there's one here this morning who does not know You, if there's one who has never forsaken his way, turned to You and and found the forgiveness that You freely offer, I pray that today You might stir their heart, that You might bring conviction through the powerful working of Your Holy Spirit. Help them see that that the only satisfaction for the things for which their soul longs is to be found in Jesus Christ and, and cause them to run to You. I pray that indeed today would be the day of salvation for many. We pray it in Christ's name.